I am not. So, um, I didn't want anybody to hear that first part. <laughs> so, um, we'll go through some of the material, um, and uh, then I can take my humble pie if uh, this falls flat. So, um, let's, let's begin with a word of prayer. John Cryline, would you mind to lead us? Okay, um, so oh, we're on the other side here. So um, I want to uh, kind of revisit the peacemaker perspective, uh, and that was conflict is not the enemy, but rather conflict is an opportunity. Somebody tell me what I mean by that. Yeah, thank you. Um, conflict is something that we're going, going to have. You can't run away from it. But it is an opportunity for us to let God's light shine to the other person that we show God in our, uh, in our conflict resolution, that we demonstrate godly behavior during that conflict. And that is an opportunity for other people to see God people that might not know God. Good, good. Yeah, it's, a, it's an opportunity for people to see God. Good, GP? I love what our sister was mentioning there about uh, you have that opportunity to glorify God, um, but you also have the opportunity to glorify yourself, your knowledge, your, your position, your correctness. You, you have lots of opportunities to, to glorify something, and it can be God or it can be something else. Good um, point, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to look at some ways we glorify ourselves tonight, for sure. Good. So why do we need to say that conflict is not the enemy? It's like confrontation. You have a tendency to want to avoid it with that mindset. Right, right. We are so jaded by conflict and confrontation because it rarely goes well that we, we develop uh, means of just getting around it or getting through it some way um, that we think will cause the least amount of pain. Um, and so we end up <clears throat> doing some things that are not helpful, not biblical, not God honoring, God glorifying. They don't accomplish God's purposes because we're so afraid of conflict. So, um, and the way that Ken Sandy puts it is 
um, the slippery slope. Now, as I was looking through this, I'm not so sure that a slippery slope is the best description for this because it seems like if you're suing somebody, it's inevitable that you're also going to murder them. Um, so I don't think it's that slippery there. But um, I, would, I would assume that if you murder someone, there was assault and litigation in the making, right? That was, that was all precursors. So I want to talk about this a little bit uh, tonight. And I want to try and apply it to our scenarios that we've um, talked about so far and just try and get some practical application of how we can look at a conflict and compare it to what God wants us to do um, and try and discern the right way, the biblical way to uh, approach conflict versus a selfish, self-honoring, self-glorifying um, way. So he talks about this in two categories. Um, the first category he calls escape responses. Um, and this is in the book, so uh, hopefully you had a chance to read through those. What does it mean to deny conflict? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, you don't have to. No. She said, I don't want to talk about it. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't want to talk about it. What else? Pretend like nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Yeah, exactly. Like when you ask your wife what's wrong, and she says, no. Yeah, right. Yeah, take the position. I have no problem with that person. You know, I, I, you know, I just deny it myself whether there's obviously a, a roaring conflict. Uh, just deny it like it's not there. And, and if, you don't, if you can't see it, can't lay eyes on it, or refuse to, then you take comfort in that, which is one of those yeah and again if we don't want there to be conflict then maybe if we just refuse to believe it we, we can fool ourselves in thinking there is nothing wrong here I am fine there is nothing wrong right because we're trying and we'll talk about some biblical things that uh, and where, where some of these the, the gray areas I guess other thoughts JP I think sometimes denial is uh, just even ignorance to what, what's happening around you. So it reminds me of Jesus talking with uh, the Pharisees and uh, about who the sons of Abraham were. And they're like, well, it's us, and we've never been enslaved to anybody. Like, they can't even see it. So they're not actively denying. They just maybe can't even see what the Have you heard of Egypt? Yeah. Like, you've never been enslaved to anyone. Hmm. Okay. What word would you like to use for that time period? Right? Yeah, denial. Um, why do you think we do that? Hope it'll go away. Right. Seems like maybe if I ignore it, it'll just go away. Right? Um, it, but when we do that, it requires living a deception. When we know there's conflict and we just deny that, then it requires we live a deception even to ourselves, maybe. Um, and that allows the reason for the conflict to fester, ferment, and become relational gangrene that infects the rest of the relationship. 
if we just let it go and pretend like it doesn't exist. We'll come back to maybe something that sounds a lot like that, but actually is a biblical approach in a minute. But uh, any other thoughts about denying conflict? Try to yeah. pretend like you don't have a trash can full of garbage in your house. Yes. Try to just ignore that for a while. Right. How long can you do it? It doesn't go away. It doesn't take itself. No, it just gets smellier and smellier. Right? Yeah. Um, right? <laughs> Good. Yeah. I was thinking about why I deny conflicts. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I'm scared that if I don't deny it, or sorry, if I'm, I'm scared that if I admit that there's a conflict, then it will affect, ruin the relationship, or then really bring to light another conflict that I just don't want to deal with. And right. So if I can deny this, the first one, then we don't even have to get to the root issue. Yes. Yeah. I'm um, scared. I'm scared. Yeah, you're, you're scared. We're scared because what if the, the big part of this is my character flaw? What if I, if, I, if I really open this door, it becomes, this is what's wrong with you, Brad. And it becomes the log that's in my eye that needs to be removed. And I, I'm scared of that. Like, I don't want to admit to that, right? And there's a deep-seated, you know... Um, Reluctance to accept that, right? Yeah. Sometimes we deny because we think nothing is ever going to change. Mm. So I kind of just have to, I have to be here. <clears throat> so I'll just let it go. Mm. Yeah. I can, I could talk to them about it, but they're not going to do anything. There's no hope. Or we, we, yeah. There's no hope. We've assumed that. Nothing good can come from approaching this conflict or addressing this conflict, so I'm just going to swallow it, right? Okay. Um, Avoiding. Maybe this is similar, but, um, and this is not necessarily the same breakout that he has in the book. I added a couple. But I feel like we avoid conflict. Um, You guys avoid conflict. What does that look like? Moving or changing jobs or doing something that that would get you away from from that. Right. Yeah. Good. And I'll I'll go ahead and put that. I I think fleeing. Right. I was thinking like um, I avoid conflict sometimes. I don't know if you guys are guilty of this, but you orchestrate scenarios so you don't have to be with that person. Or you make up fake or at least less significant or relevant, less relevant reasons not to participate in something because you don't, because there's going to be, be going to be conflict there. Like, oh, sorry, I've got plans that night, right? And well, actually, your plans were to do nothing, right? And sometimes those are good plans, but sometimes the only reason that you're doing that is so you don't do you don't have to do this right so we're avoiding conflict by um just prancing around and and sometimes you get caught we get caught or we think we catch people doing this like now they said they weren't going to be home but that's their car right there i know they're home and they said they weren't going to be home so 
why aren't they? Why don't they want to be with me? Right? And it, it's hard. And we'll we'll talk about that. The opposite of this. The reason that we do that is because that sounds a lot more easier than going, "Hey, I need to tell you something." Right? Okay. And fleeing. Right? I think this is uh, definitely definitely something really hard to consider here for me. Right? Because I was looking back through my notes <clears throat> from um, going through this before and I had, you know, we leave relationships, right? You're like, I can't stand this friendship. I've got to go. This marriage, sorry, got to go. I have conflict at work. I'll just get another job. Uh, whatever school thing, I'll just go to another school or church, right? There's a conflict at church. I'm out. So that's tough. Um, the question is, are you just trying to escape the conflict, right? Got to ask myself that. I've got to. We've got to be really honest with ourselves. Like, um, the reason that I'm fleeing is it just because I want to get out of the conflict? I'm not saying that's the only reason. Or you know, do you genuinely feel the only way to glorify God is I've got to got to get out, got to leave? That's the only way to glorify God. Um. Interrupt me if you want, but I kind of had some thoughts about this myself. Um, so, are we, when we flee conflict, when we when we leave a situation, are we forsaking the idea that this conflict is an opportunity to see my logs? Like, is this like I don't really want to hear? That I'm the problem, so I'm just going to leave. Um, are we saying, look, I don't have any hope that this person or this situation can be restored? Gentle restoration, I just, it's not going to happen, right? Are we forsaking that idea? Or that we can live in harmony with another part of the body, right? Or perhaps suffer long, right? God is long-suffering. How long do we suffer through un discomfort in order to uh, try and come to a reconciliation? Where we serve others, we grow to be like Christ. How long do we suffer through that, right? Any thoughts? Or does nobody want to touch that? <laughs> That's why, this, this is part of the reason I was like, Bob, I want to talk about this. Well, just, I would just humbly offer that my own experience has shown me that when I truly do want to glorify God and I truly humbly just lay myself out in front of his throne, he has always helped me to know that timeline because you can't know there's no way of knowing yourself ahead of time in all situations right yeah you you, you can't have a predetermined calculation 
This is a, a matter of the heart. That's that's probably a part of that faith piece. That um, that's that's why you have no choice, really, but to go it your own way and blow, just mess it up bad, or just totally trust in Him and and just know at your core being that He He knows the outcome and He's with all of you involved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife and I were, in, were involved, not us, we were involved in a conflict with someone else. We have a perfect marriage. So. <laughs> um, we know you do, JB. Yeah. You, you've told us lots of times. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this person, uh, we went through the, you know, being familiar with peacemaking, I went through the peacemaking stuff, and uh, I felt like we were fine. Um, they reached out. Uh, I guess the week that we were supposed to be coming out here, um, and I was like, "We're too busy. We can't. I don't want to deal with it." And I was like, "We're fine. Like we, we're fine." And they're like, "Well, can we can we try to get together um, for for lunch?" And I was like, "No, I'm way too busy. I have to, you know." I made all these reasons why I couldn't do it. Um, I was thinking like, "Well, if someone had asked me to like, you know, play pickleball, man, I have all the time." Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I fly. I mean, we're gone for three weeks. Uh, and it's cool that, like, to me, that maybe in some conflicts, this is my response. Um, and yet, even if I responded in the inappropriate ways, the grace of God is He's gonna work on heart while I'm denying, avoiding, and fleeting. Right. So that I can get back. And I can be uh, truly reconciled uh, yeah. to this uh, individual. Right. Um, yeah. And I just, I don't know, I guess I want to offer hope that maybe, like, if this is how we've responded to conflicts or how we are responding to conflicts, uh, God is still at work in us to right. get us to see, you know, you got some walks. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and I don't want to paint the picture that you never have to get out of a situation. Um, I hope I haven't done that. There, and we'll, we'll get more in depth and he'll talk about, you know, here are the criteria that you need to be considering. Uh, not a checklist, but consider these principles and we'll go into more depth later. But uh, the main point here is that one way, one unbiblical way to avoid conflict is just to get out of the the situation. Um, it's funny how God will bring things back around to us if we flee from something and a new situation comes up at the next place. Right. God wanted us to learn something through it. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I, have, I can't add anything to that, but yeah. Chelsea said it's like Jonah. <laughs> right. Get right back into it. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess that exit plan didn't work for Jonah, did it? Uh, nice try. Um, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, Bob. You know, I think something else to think about here is considering what side of the slope this is on. And right. <clears throat> we're under a lot of pressure and 
all kinds of things are happening or there's all kinds of communication taking place and possibly uh, we're being influenced and pulled and back and forth by our own hearts and, and perhaps the hearts of other people. It's, it's, it's more, more than likely the case or possibly the case. But I, I think we just have to be so careful because this, this, is, this is Satan's realm. This is his, his area of expertise. Yes. When he starts uh, whittling away and finding cracks to put the wedge in. And, and we just need to be on guard for that and, and watching for him because he's a deceitful beyond measure and uh, takes advantage of us when we're, when we're struggling and we're in this kind of selfish, self-preserving mode. Right. Uh, <clears throat> we see a lot of self in those three things up there. Right. Those are selfish. So wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. Yeah. The scale seems to be tilted heavy here. Right. We're, we're just drawn on our feelings and and, and uh, things like things like that are so that are so prevalent in conflict. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Not knowing necessarily what to do. Or right. Or yeah. Or having to counsel. Yeah. And and when we flee, um, we we miss out on the opportunity to see the logs, we miss out on the opportunity to grow, right? And that's what Satan would love for us to, like instead of embracing the opportunity to grow and challenge ourselves, be uncomfortable and push through and come to a better place that's more in, in line with God's will, he would love for us to just say, that's it, I'm out of here. And do that enough times and you're just going to be like, you know what? This all this this church thing this religion thing this is just it's just fruitless because every time I I get trampled on and I've got to leave right um, so uh, then obviously the, the slippery slope here the ultimate escape is suicide um, that means that you've given up on everyone you've given up your, yourself to do anything about the situation others You've even given up on God to work things together for good. Um, so, and actually, if you want to avoid earthly conflict, that is the only way to do it. Because there will be conflict. And so if you want to just avoid conflict, then that's how you do it. It's not a suggestion. Not a suggestion. <laughs> right. Uh, it doesn't help anyone. Uh, it doesn't glorify God. It just brings to more despair into the world. Right? Okay. <clears throat> so the other um, end of the spectrum is attack responses. So instead of escaping, um, sometimes, uh, and I think usually people kind of have a tendency, uh, if you hate conflict, you're going to avoid it. And sometimes you're really comfortable in conflict, so you're going to gravitate to it. And so um, there are some things. And he, he uses the word assault. I think it's good to break it up into verbal and physical assault. Um, what, does, what does an improper uh, approach to conflict look like in verbal assault? It's designed to cut. It's not meant to be helpful. It's just meant to be a dick. Right. 
Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I was part of a customer service class at work. Uh, I was a facilitator, and one of our um, our activities was uh, top ten most unwanted difficult behaviors. All right, so we played this game where we took the description of a behavior and the term and we tried to tie them together. Um, and here were some of them. Uh, the tank. The tank are individuals who are confrontational and angry. They exempli exemplify pushy, aggressive behavior. Nobody likes to work with the tank, right? They're, they just plow through everything. Uh, the sniper. Obviously, this is DOD, right? So we got to have uh, the sniper are individuals who work best with rude comments, sarcasm, and a well-timed roll of the eyes. Their specialty is making people feel foolish at just the right time, right? You've all we've bought, we've probably all been snipers at a, a time or two where someone makes a comment and we don't have to say anything. We just go. Right? Well, that's, that is an assault on someone's intelligence, and we need to, be, we need to avoid that. That's what we need to be avoiding. Um, there's one called the grenade. Uh, nice and calm, and then all of a sudden, exploding into unfocused, all over the place rants, which turns the focus into other things that have nothing to do with the situation at all. Um, then there's the yes person. So this maybe is on the other side. These individuals are people pleasers in order to avoid confrontation. They say yes quickly without thinking things through or about consequences. They overcommit, which can lead to tasks they're responsible for being uh, pushed aside, right? So avoiding conflict, like I don't wanna say no because that would cause some conflict, right? Um, the maybe person, right? I, I know you probably can think of people that, that do all of these. The maybe person doesn't ever want to give an, uh, doesn't make a decision because they don't want to, they want it to trying to avoid conflict. They don't want to put their claim in the ground and, um, and have to be rebuked for that, right? So, uh, they're just a maybe person. Well, sometimes it's too little too late and you now have no other option but this. So how did that conflict avoidance go? Um, and then there was one called the whiner. Not a DOD. Maybe uh, they do drink a lot in the uh, military. So maybe it's a wino. But the whiner um, uh, is, feels hopeless and overwhelmed by an unfair world. Their standard is perfection, and no one ever measures up to their criteria. Um, but they misery loves company, so they're going to tell everybody about everybody else's failings. And they try to provide options and solutions. Um, people that do that are considered bad company. Well, they just don't understand what's going on here. So. No drill sergeant? No drill sergeant, that was the tank, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was interesting because even in a customer service focused um, context, 
there are difficult behaviors that are all trying to uh, resolve conflict in a way that uh, is either escape or attack. Um, litigation, pretty self-explanatory, <clears throat> but in the end, people, it, litigation is purely adversarial. Like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to mention anything that is in favor of the defendant if I'm the plaintiff. I will never mention something that he did well. And if they will never mention anything that I did well, right? It's purely adversarial because you want to draw as big of a contrast as possible in order to win the, the case. Um, and then again, murder. So, um, of course, Jesus points out that um, murder starts in the heart. It starts with these other uh, things. It starts in our thoughts, which translate to our words and behavior. And finally, um, it, it, it would end in murder if we were uh, determined to get our own way. Any, any thoughts about any of those? Yeah, Gary. I thought it was interesting. You said in the book that the, the contrast, the, the far contrast, there's death at both ends of the right. incorrect ways of dealing with it. Both, both, both incorrect ways and right. Yep. You see, the, the end is destruction, right? Which is the foolish way, the end of the fool, right? That John. Yeah, I'd like to, like, any argument can get to this point, but only after it becomes wicked. Like, we see an example. It's like, it becomes about a lot more because of the perspectives and all the history. Like, you wouldn't understand what's going on unless you understood the history of that, like from the birth of that whole family, right? And so that is the issue of like, so when you're having an argument, it's like, try to resolve it. It's like, what would make it so that we could resolve this without having to go on the underlying, like way underlying being like, I don't think that you're a good person, right? Like, that's probably not a good place to begin. Right. I mean, it may be that you have to go that deep in order to resolve it, but probably not, right? Right. So, exactly. And, they, and these things are often where if you get way too deep, they will lead to that sort of thing of like, why am I alive? I'm a horrible person or you're a horrible person. And just right. Yeah. And that, that misses the gospel uh, hope, right? Right. Because when the gospel comes in, no, all of us deserve death. That's our wages. That's what we've earned is death. And if we expect any of our relationships to only bring life to us, then we've forgotten what the gospel is. The gospel starts out with bad news. You're a sinner. Good news. You have forgiveness. So individually in every conflict, that's got to be the recognition. Guess what? If I expected you to be perfect, that was on me, not on you, right? So um, I just sent out a, an email today uh, with our basketball program because kids were running amok and doing some stuff and the place complained. And hey, we don't expect to be perfect, but we do expect Christians to be penitent. Um, so, uh, so that one of the trends, uh, 
So the conflict, the conclusion is conflict is the enemy when we do those things. Of course, of course we're going to walk away with that uh, uh, perspective. And um, instead of being peacemaking, that we peace fake or we peace break. Uh, and he pointed that, that out. So let's talk about the biblical. Uh, yeah. Just real quick. Yes. I, I feel like in our society, culture maybe, the hero is the peace faker. Okay. Like that? <clears throat> kind of the way that um, we talk to each other is, yeah, they did me this way, mm-hmm. but I'm just, I'm the stronger person, so I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah. So in our Christian culture, sometimes um, we, we, we just feel like, well, I just have to be walked all over. Right. So I, I, you know, people just do whatever they want to to me and I'm just, I'm just going to pretend like nothing's wrong and let them do whatever they want to me. Kind of, is that what you're saying? Yeah. 77 right. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, that is not the biblical approach at all. And, um, yeah, we, we don't want to get sucked into that trap either because that's despairing. Um, the, so let's talk about some of the positive ways, the biblical ways to handle conflict. Can I get somebody to look up each of these? Um, I have a roll, actually. In a row? I get a row. I'm impressed. <laughs> okay, Proverbs 19.11. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook a transgression. Okay, next one. A fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. 17.14. The beginning of strife is letting out water, so abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Okay, so uh, what does what are those passages? What what principle is that pointing out? Okay. Good. Yep. And what what are they saying is the what are those passages saying is the wise way to handle some conflicts? To overlook them, right? Well, wait a minute. To pretend like they don't exist? No. No. So what is the difference between overlooking something and denying or avoiding it? Choice. 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 You okay. Choose, you choose to let it go. Okay. You choose to forgive. Yeah, good. And, and forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's just something as simple as a misunderstanding or, you know, uh, misjudging somebody's motivation. You know, they say something that was completely harmless in their mind, but you were like, oh, what's he talking about? What is he talking about me? What's he saying that for? Thinking that it meant something else. So. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. So. So if someone says something that you take offense to, what does it look like to deny it and overlook it? And how would that look differently? Well, you can give them the benefit of the doubt and say, well, I'm sure he didn't mean anything towards me. Or you could just simply ask, what did you mean by that? Yep, okay. Clear it up. Yep, so asking what did you mean by that is the next one on the list. Uh, no, that's okay. Because they're, I mean, it's a progression, right? That first verse says a man's discretion makes him slow to answer. So it's kind of like a check. It's a self-check. Before you get angry, you say, oh, 
I, I, I bet they didn't mean it that way. I'll think, I'll think the best, and therefore there is no hurt. Okay. All right. So you, any other, yeah, good, good comment. Good comment. Yeah, JP. My denial comes out of my fear. Okay. Perfect love casts out fear, and love covers a multitude of sins. Okay. So. Good. Good. Any other thoughts about the difference? I think if I have tried to overlook it and like time has gone on and I'm still like thinking about it and I'm still just as upset as I was and it hasn't started to fade out of my mind and not be as big a deal, then I probably haven't overlooked. Because when I overlook, I really do. Like, I start to let that go and I just don't think about that thing that much. Right. Good. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that highlights some of the differences there. Yeah, go ahead. Too. I think one difference could be that uh, you can only overlook something if it's something directly against you, if it's a very personal offense, as opposed to affecting everybody or something right. like that. Right. So Good. You can only give forgiveness. Yeah, there's definitely criteria for what you should overlook and what you should not overlook. Right. Um, also, there's a differentiation between denying there's conflict, like saying there is nothing there. Um, I'm going to pretend like there's nothing there. Versus seeing that, seeing the hurt and going, he said that. I don't think he meant that. I know the full character of that person. I am going to take that slight and go trash. And you see the difference there? One of them pretends like nothing ever happened and the other one embraces the conflict and throws it away and goes, okay, not going to do that. Now, what Mindy was talking about was you don't take it, think you threw it in the trash and you actually just put it in your back pocket. And then later, when the third and fourth thing is said or something else comes along, you go, well, wait a minute, you said this too, right? So you've just, you've just highlighted that you didn't actually overlook it. Overlooking is not putting it in your backpack for later. Overlooking is forgiving and forgetting, meaning you, you promise you'll never bring that up again. Um, and we can probe the edges of that as we go through, because we'll talk more about this. But like, well, what, is it okay to bring that up if I thought I had overlooked it, but then they did it 10 more times? Can I not bring that first one up? If I, I, I overlooked it nine times. Do I, can I only bring up the one, right? Well, we, we can probe the edges of that and we need to be reasonable. Um, but that, that's the general difference. Uh, I saw a couple of hands there, John. Yeah, it hurts. If you have a memory that's more than a year or two old that still bothers you, like you probably you, you haven't told yourself a story about it that can be integrated with who you are, and so you probably told yourself a lie about it. And like you're, you, there there's a part of your mind that's still clashing with you on that. So you probably avoided it as opposed to overlooking, which is telling yourself a truthful story about it that you can live with. Right, right, good, Vicky. Sometimes I think it's beneficial for us to look at the person who said that, what they had going on in their life, too. Mm -hmm. Maybe they had a terrible day, a terrible week, and, and you said something that I think is important when you look at the character of that person. Is that out of character for them to say right. something such as that? Yeah. 
Yep. That, that helps us too to be able to put it in the trash and not our back pocket. Yeah. yeah. He's going to tell a story later about perspective that is really good in that regard. So I was taking my time and now I'm out of time. Um, so the other thing is we can discuss it. Like Gary said, if I feel like, you know, I can overlook that or I can go, hey, what, what did you mean by that, right? And discuss is just, uh, I, think he, I think he calls it reconcile, but whatever it is, it means something other than just personally, quietly forgiving. And it means going to that person and working it out um, and talking through it, uh, what all that might look like. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 13. Who has that? He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Right. So do you see the difference there? Like, I can try and cover this. Maybe it's their sin. Maybe it's mine. I can try and cover this and pretend like nothing happened. Um, or I can uncover it and confess. And that is where the reconciliation can occur. Bob? One of the things about this list, going back over with this person briefly, uh, kind of, I'm glad you put it at the top of the list because I think it's the top tool. And uh, it actually uh, functions like God functions with us in His grace. We are gracious to yeah. others. And before there's conflict, it is, it is eradicated. Right. Yeah. Love covers a multitude of transgressions. That means. Yes, that means there's a lot of things that we should be letting go. Right? Before the Esther. Right. Uh, my mom was commenting that you know, sometimes when you discuss with someone, uh, and even you, you mentioned, like, I'm, I'm overlooking this, but what you said, what you did, hurt me, cut me. I need you to understand that. I, like, I forgive you. I still have a scar because right. of what you did. Um, how do we... How do we deal with like those scars? I mean, oh yeah, um, yeah. We're we're definitely going to get into uh, that a lot, but um, for now, just suffice to say, you can't overlook those. If there's a if there's a wound, you should not just overlook it. You because really, you're going to be denying. You're just going to be denying that there's like oh yeah, uh, someone did something to me. And I have scars, but I overlooked it. I mean, that, that, you can't do that. So, yeah, part of discussing is going and saying, hey, I want you to know how this made me feel. And you have to be humble when you approach somebody because you might have done something that caused their reaction, right? So you go to them and say, hey, uh, usually I, I would almost always say you should go and ask if there's something that you have done that caused this them to treat you this way because you did this and this this hurt me deeply did i do something to you to cause that um and they they might say yeah you said this and then guess what you get to see the log that's in your own eye um and you might see oh i started this and you got to be humble and be willing to be the one that started the conflict or what might happen is they go, no, I am so sorry that I said that. Or that is not what I meant at all. Um, and listen to, to what they have to say. But you can't, you definitely can't just 
overlook deep wounds for sure. Um, <clears throat> there's some negotiation uh, that, that happens. I, I'm not really sure there's a passage for this. He, he cites Philippians 2, but uh, this is more uh, in material matters. Like if you uh, borrowed my car and ran into a tree, then we've got to negotiate, right? Those are the, the material uh, things. And then uh, mediate, counsel, arbitrate. So 1 Corinthians 6 just talks about how the church should be in the business of helping ease through reconciliation. And um, so we need to be helping each other, mediating those conversations. Um, and Matthew 18 is listed uh, there on discuss. You know, go to that person. Um, then maybe take one or two people with you. Don't take them to court. Uh, solve that. So then the last thing, of course, a biblical response to conflict is when someone is not responsive to rebukes that they are living in sin, then you need to have church discipline. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting in, in the book that uh, the associate justice Yes. Yes. Fascinating. Yeah. Quoted. Yep. Yes. yes that, yep. that he would. Scalia, right? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I think it was, I, I was planning to have like 20 minutes to talk about the first scenario with the, with the family inheritance and how that all went down. Um, you can kind of see where some of the, like the peace breaking was happening there. Um, and that didn't work, right? Uh, but then in the end, some counsel was given, mediation, if you will, and they ended up in a good spot. What about uh, um, the second uh, scenario that you guys talked about on Sunday um, with Matt and Carla, uh, the travel, vacation travel route dilemma? Um, what, what did you see were some, what, what can you see are some peace faking or peace breaking Responses going on there. That they drove literally farther distance to not go to his parents' house. Yeah. Hey, Matt, are you peace faking by going around? Is there something you need to tell your dad? Right? What else? Comparing with someone else uh, maybe falls in that attack. Uh, Set of responses. Right, yeah, yep, yep. Saying, well, they did that, why aren't you doing that, right? Yep. I think verbal attacks can also be going off of assumptions, assuming someone's motives and speaking, yes. speaking for them. Um, saying, you, you think this, or you always do this, or, you know. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Assuming someone's motives is very dangerous. Um, and when you do that, you should assume that their motives are good um, as long as you possibly can. So what would you tell uh, Matt to do? So he was the son. What on this, on these peacemaking responses, what, would you, what advice would you give him? He, needs to let, he does need to overlook some things from his childhood. Right. Either overlook or discuss it. Yeah. Right? Hey, you need to have a conversation with your dad about 
why you feel like you have to drive out of the way to avoid it. Right? You can't, your, your piece faking, you need to talk it out. He's obviously resentful that they didn't get to finish his senior year at that same school. So right. Yeah. Has he had that conversation with his dad? I mean, that's a, I don't think it's a real scenario. Uh, can't be with somebody named Pammy. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think um, hopefully by the end of this, I, I hope that we can really think through, like, what does Carla need to do there? Like, what, what does George need to do? George needs to humble himself, right? And he'd say, hey, bud, why are you driving? Why are you avoiding me? Clearly something is not right here. Instead of, he's the tank. Right? He is part, he, he was in the Department of Defense, right? Um, and, and Pammy, she needs to probably keep her mouth shut or, or advise people to talk. So, um, we'll get into, do what? They all need to repent first. Right. They all need to be sorry first. Exactly. They need to humble themselves. Yeah. So, we'll get into, solidly into chapter two on Sunday.